Our scripture reading today is Luke 8, 4 through 18. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. I miss being with you last week as I was with my dad. Thanks for your care for me in that, and uh, I'm going to loop back into my dad's life uh, as we dive into this passage. Uh, I've led us uh, through a season that the church historically has celebrated called Epiphany. Epiphany is looking at the blazing glory of that Jesus has come into our world and seeing the brimming over wonderfulness of who Jesus is in light of his incarnation. Uh, if you're Tigger, you really love this. If you're Eeyore, your time is coming because we're going to step into Lent uh, starting next Sunday. In future years, I'd love to do an Ash Wednesday service to help us transition because there are seven Sundays uh, in Epiphany and seven Sundays in Lent that all prepare us uh, for Holy Week together. Uh, but one last Sunday, discovering the wonderful, beautiful truth about who Jesus is. And our journey, just as a refresher, since I wasn't here last week, we've stepped into Luke's gospel in chapter 7. Uh, we started off with the story of the centurion who had no exterior qualifications to be included by Jesus, but he just believed what Jesus said in such a real way that he told Jesus when he had a servant who was on his deathbed, just say the word, and he'll be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith. Uh, then he encounters a widow who's walking to the city gate to bury her son, her only son whom she loves. And Jesus, not because she exhibits any faith at all, she experiences faith after Jesus does his work of resurrection. She raises his, her son 
from the dead. Uh, then we have a little bit of a confusion point with John the Baptist who declared the wonder of Jesus stepping into the world at the beginning of his ministry, but because the way Jesus' ways doesn't, did not look like what he was expecting, began to doubt, but it led Jesus to a dialogue of John's unique role in the kingdom of God and Jesus' even more broad uh, role as a prophet, priest, and king. And then two weeks ago, we stepped into a story with Simon the Pharisee and a woman of the city. And Simon distances himself from Jesus, and it's actually the woman of the city who's weeping at Jesus' feet to show us the beauty and wonder of who Jesus is. Now as we step into chapter 8, uh, we're skipping a few verses that we'll loop back on uh, next week, uh, but we're stepping into this story that's pretty common and recorded in the three synoptic gospels of the story of a sower, and the crowds are beginning to swell in light of the miracles that Jesus is doing. And Jesus shifts into a mode, uh, whereas the miracles seem to be more clear, he's gonna utter words here that can be a little bit confusing, but are trying to entice his hearers to step more deeply in and connect what often we don't, to connect our hearts with the truth of God that we hear. So we'll see this passage break down, and I'll lead us through it in the following uh, three uh, titles. What are the different ways to hear Jesus' word? How do we hear Jesus' word so it penetrates our lives? And why is hearing Jesus so crucial? What are the different ways to hear Jesus' word? How do we hear Jesus' word so it penetrates our lives? And why is really hearing Jesus so crucial? Let's take up the first three soils. Let's get a landscape of what he's doing here because we're not in an agrarian economy like they are, but it's still clear uh, even for us. Jesus tells the story of a sower. He is actually the sower, and the sower is sowing a seed. And that day you would just sow seed broadly and you would plow afterwards, and the seed would fall indiscriminately on different types of soil. Uh, so Jesus is the sower. The seed is the word of God. He calls it the secrets of the kingdom and the types of soil represent different ways of hearing Jesus. The first three show a disconnect between Jesus' words and the heart. And the fourth soil shows us what it's like when those things connect. And we obviously want to be that fourth soil. So first kind of soil is hard-hearted soil. Those of us with hard hearts towards Jesus' words. Look at verse 5 and then verse 12. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. There's an interlude. Jesus' disciples are saying, that's not clear to us. We need to understand more. So in verse 12, he unpacks. He says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. As we step into this picture of a hard heart, the freshest picture that Luke has given us for what a hard heart looks like is Simon the Pharisee. Do you remember what he said? When he saw this woman of the city touching Jesus' feet, he said, if he were really a prophet, he, he, would, not, he would know who this woman is and he would not allow her. You see, Jesus wasn't fitting his religious worldview. And so he disconnected his heart from what Jesus was embodying and the word that he was delivering. Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, and my kids had them too, I don't know if they still had uh, potato heads. Anybody have a potato head that you put together? 
What, what's the unique anatomy of a potato head? You're all head. <laughs> and itty bitty hands, and you know, you're just all brain. And that's the hard heart that, we, that our worldview will not allow the uniqueness of Jesus to step in and penetrate our hearts. It can happen with us who are very religious, like Simon. Uh, we make Christianity about knowing a lot. And in our tradition, perhaps having the proper systematic theology, others of you don't appreciate that as much, uh, but we can have religious hard-heartedness like Simon. Uh, probably if we're here, uh, we approach Jesus primarily intellectually, uh, but we miss the connection that Jesus is longing for us to make to our hearts. Uh, a few years ago, when I was in church plant mode in Birmingham, I interviewed 75 non-Christians who were de-churched. Uh, perhaps because of the setting I was in, every, all of the 75 who were de-churched had stepped out of church. They weren't born outside of church. They had exposure to the church and chose to step out. And what I found even there, it wasn't religious per se, hard-heartedness, but they adopted a worldview, which I'll unpack for you sometime later because it's super fascinating for where we are today. But they had worldviews that would not allow the word of God to penetrate. They were hardened by their experience with the church, perhaps because people approached Jesus only intellectually and did not allow his words to move from the theoretical deep into the heart of our souls. The first uh, hard soil is a hard-hearted soil. The second picture of soil is a shallow heart. Look at verse 6 and then verse 13. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Uh, the first hard soil just approaches Jesus' words intellectually. The shallow so soil only receives Jesus' words emotionally, but without a root going down deeply into our hearts. This is actually where John the Baptist was. He, he was overjoyed with Jesus' appearance, especially when the voice from heaven spoke, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But, but when the hardship happened and John the Baptist was in prison and Jesus wasn't living out his Messiahship that he hoped, doubts began to creep in and his joy was questioned. Jesus graciously corrects it to lead him to a healthier place. But we too know what it's like to respond to Jesus perhaps emotionally. We want a Jesus of warm and fuzzies, a Jesus who is our sugar daddy. And when he's not delivering like we would like, uh, our joy is so shaken, our root doesn't go down from God's word into our heart because we only engage with God emotionally. Uh, hard hearts, shallow hearts, and then divided hearts. Look at verse 7. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and then verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Uh, a divided heart is a doer heart who's so intent on my to-do list that the word of God does not deeply penetrate me because I have a divided heart, a little bit of Jesus, 
a lot of my to-do list. This is the story that Luke will tell in chapter 10 uh, that's fairly well known. Uh, Martha and Mary, he enters their home. You remember the story? Uh, what does Mary do? She sits at Jesus' feet. What does Martha do? She's busy in the kitchen. <laughs> She's full of the cares and pleasures into her to-do list. And Jesus says this to Martha, and he says that to us who are doers, who only approach Jesus volitionally. You're anxious and troubled about many things. He's using very similar language to the parable of the sower. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, I want someone to sit at my feet, to take my words deeply in. Mary has chosen the better thing. Uh, also come to mind later in Luke 18, uh, the story of the rich young ruler who says, I've got this Jesus. I, on my to-do list are all the commands, the Ten Commandments. I am there. And we're going, oh my goodness. <laughs> but Jesus kind of diagnoses his heart and puts his finger on his riches just by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life in the, in the divided heart. And he says this, one thing you still lack Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus makes this offer, like he does with the parable of the sower when he's about to say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's hoping this rich run, young ruler will set aside his riches and follow Jesus, but guess what happens? But when he heard these things, the ruler, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Uh, not only a hard heart, uh, not only a shallow heart, but a divided heart about things of this world that keeps God's word from penetrating deeply can choke out a heart for Jesus Christ and his word. Uh, a divided heart fixates on cares, money, pleasures, my to-do list, rather than slowing and allowing God's word to deeply penetrate my heart. Then finally, he gets to the good soil. The first three are all examples of a disconnected heart from Jesus' word. He gets to the good soil where he's longing for all his hearers to enter. He's longing for us to do the math about Jesus, to take our thoughts, to take our, our minds, and to take our hands into clearly taking God's word in. Look at verse 8. And some soil, some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Just a real short statement. So we're so glad in verse 14, he amplifies and said, or verse 15 and amplifies and says, as for that in the good heart, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You know, you know who fits this last category in the journey that we've been in? The Gentile centurion who simply took Jesus at his word, it penetrated him deeply. The woman, uh, the widower, who would have been very low and outside of value in the economy of Israel at that time, uh, after Jesus creates a resurrection and she responds, she allows the truth, the truth of Jesus' words to penetrate her heart. And the woman of the city, do you remember her from two weeks ago? She gets 
in Jesus' presence. And she cannot control herself. She takes an ointment that was meant for Jesus' head and begins to cry tears on his feet. You see, those of us who feel like we're most disqualified are actually the people that Jesus is pleased to reveal himself to in power because we get the depth and weight of our sin. That we come to God's word so hungry for Jesus because we know what train wrecks we are. That he must speak truth deep into who we are. Uh, years ago, it was really popular. I don't know how long these have been around. Yet, did you ever stare into a 3D picture? You, re you remember that? Okay, if, if you're born in the past 15 years, maybe not. But I, I think maybe 90s, early 2000s, 3D pictures as you would stare. Do you remember? You would see a picture, and it was just nice. But you kind of had to stare long enough until you let your eyes go. And you remember that experience when you finally saw what was underneath the surface? That's what Jesus is longing for us to experience with his word. From the word to go from something that's just opaque, just surface level, to, to an image that makes our hearts melt and causes us to enter in with our minds, with our hearts, and with our hands as well. The honest and good heart, Jesus says, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. The beautiful thing that happens in this story, we're not told what all the crowd does, but we are told that the disciples have ears to hear because they say, we don't get this. <laughs> Jesus, help it sink in. Tell me more. Let it connect to my heart. Uh, the second point is, how does that happen? How do we hear Jesus' word so that it penetrates our lives? Uh, Hudson, thank you for that preview because uh, I am thinking about two Purdies today. Uh, just have some kind of unusual affinity for the 49ers quarterback. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Years ago when he played at Iowa State, I just put on my Instagram, uh, I said, proud of you, son, just joking. But people <laughs> took it literally. Uh, so I had to answer that for a while and I had to apologize to my son because of it. Okay, you may have seen this clip. It came on my, my Twitter feed uh, this week. Uh, where Brock Purdy, a, a press conference, was interviewed, and, and the guy gave him a lob. It had to be a Christian reporter. He said, what scripture passage are standing out to you right now? It's like, whoop. Uh, and the typical athlete thing is to give God the glory in their win, and I knew God would help us win, you know, that kind of stuff. There, there was something different going on in Brock Purdy's heart. He said this, I start every day in Psalm 23. Whoa. Like there's enough truth and richness and texture there for him to step in. And it directs me to, to believe that the Lord is my shepherd. I have no need. And so he said, so when I play football, I don't play because I need something from the crowd or social media or publicity. And it helps me calm and steady myself to go through my reads whoa, he's 24. <laughs> I, I, I've lived this so minimally, it just pierced me. What if God's word sunk so deeply into our hearts? It's not amassing a lot of knowledge. It's allowing little truths sinking down into the depths of our heart 
so that we are able to allow Holy Spirit to calmly help us go through our reads, whatever that looks like in your parenting, in your work, in your play. The second party is less known. It's my daddy, Gary Sr. Uh, my dad, uh, at the kitchen table when I was eight, with my confusion, explained the gospel to me in a way that was simple enough that I could believe. I've still got that kitchen table. <laughs> I'll show it to you if you come over to my townhome. As my dad approached death, uh, his superpowers being a hospice chaplain, he had been a stockbroker for most of his career, but really had a heart. He went back and finished his MDiv and became a volunteer hospice chaplain, and he requested to go to the, the hospice facility that he had volunteered for seven years as a chaplain. So we walked in as a hero. <laughs> uh, people, it, well, I'll tell that story later, but um, my dad in my last conversation as he was cognizant, said, um, I'm so ready to see Jesus. And I am so, so happy. And there was an authentic power to what he said. That this man who led me to believe the gospel for the first, very first time, as he faced death with real courage in the gospel, helped me believe the gospel more. I got his Bible where I see him meditating on the Word of God so deeply that it connected deeply, deeply to his heart and his life. Uh, in verse 15, we've got hints of how that happens. Look back at it with me, verse 15. As for that in the, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the Word, Hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Hearing, holding, bearing fruit. Hearing, holding, and bearing fruit are how the word of God begins to penetrate our hearts. When we hear God's word and take it in, it is not just an auditory exercise, it's a cognitive exercise. It involves our mind and our intellect where we hear God's word in such a way that we pursue God's word uh, with our hearts. We hold it fast. We, we don't just skip over now that we've intellectually comprehended it. We take that truth that's in our mind and connect it to our lives and to our hearts. We hold it fast with good and honest hearts. And then what we do we do? Doers, you'll be really excited about that. Then it bears fruit. Then things happen. Uh, character is changed. Obedience is lived out. When we allow God's word to penetrate our minds and our hearts and explode our affection to Jesus in such a way that it's lived out in our lives. I think the way we are oriented, uh, either as a thinker, feeler, or doer, demonstrates for us where we are most in danger in light of the different soils that disconnect with Jesus. If we approach Jesus as primary intellectually with our minds, uh, or just emotionally with our hearts, or we're just doers, we might skip over having all three happen in our lives. 
uh, he, I'm more of a feeler. You will learn this quickly. <laughs> uh, so I feel things deeply. I'm second a thinker. I do like to think deeply as well. And I'm an incredibly weak doer. <laughs> uh, I think all of us maybe are good at one or two and really weak at the third. Uh, so my pursuit of Jesus through his word looks like this. I have to identify before I open God's word what I'm feeling, uh, what I'm experiencing life, and I have to tell him that so that then when I open his word, I'm, I see ways that he unmasks my idolatry that the truth about Jesus becomes greater and richer and more beautiful than the idol that my heart holds on to, and out of that I obey. Now, I thought, because I'm wired that way, everyone's wired that way, and then God put an assistant pastor alongside of me who was primarily a thinker, and he said, Gary, I can't enter into that path with you. He says, here's what it's like for me, and it helped him hearing me articulate how Jesus' word impacts my heart. He said, I see in God's word rich truth about Jesus that automatically diagnoses my sin and what I'm not living out of about Jesus, and out of that, I obey. Now, I understand doers the least, so you're going to have to work together here. Um, for some of you, it looks like doing things and obeying Jesus. Uh, but if it just stays at the doing level and does not connect to your heart and your mind, uh, it's not penetrating at the level that really affects real heart level change. Um, I would love to learn from you who are oriented that way. But somehow, all three of those need to be activated. Our mind about Jesus, our heart with Jesus, that explodes and leads us to obey and follow Jesus in our actions. Why is this so crucial? And we'll close here. Well, look at the little lesson that Jesus offers when he shifts the metaphors in the last paragraph, uh, verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So he's shifted from seed to light here. Uh, Verse 19, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And then this, this is really driving home the point of the parables uh, that we must take in. Verse 18, take care then how you hear. That's what we've been talking about, right? The different ways that we hear. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Whoa. Hearing God's word in a way that connects mind, heart, and hands results in you experiencing more light of the, world, of the word into your life to expose more darkness and idolatry and works out more obedience. And if we don't hear Jesus in the way that he's talking about, the light gets taken away and we get engulfed by the darkness of evil. There could not be a more wake up and make sure that we're hearing Jesus with our mind, our hearts, and our hands to allow it to penetrate our hearts so that out of our hearts and our minds, a gospel explosion happens so that we obey. Peter, one of the apostles who was in the crowd and who asked the question, tell me more, in his epistle, 
And 1 Peter 1 says this. It's really interesting how he threads these themes together. He says, just listen. Having purified your souls by your obedience, to that's the hands, to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You see, he's doing the very same thing Jesus is doing. And he says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. Uh, For all flesh is like grass, and in all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God remains forever. And this word is good news. Uh, Good news we can comprehend with our minds uh, that was preached to you. Uh, This imperishable seed... Jesus uses as an image of light that comes into our world, and he uses it in the parable of the sower of seed. Think about a seed. It's so little. It's so nothing. It is so weak. But when it dies and is buried in the ground, it works a resurrection with organic power that happens over a long, long time uh, to produce change and responses to Jesus that dive deeply connected to our hearts. Jesus became like that seed. He came in the weakness like a man. And he, through his sinless life, also had to die and be buried in the ground so that he might experience a resurrection of which you and I are all a part because this man who came in weakness uh, works with great power in us uh, when we take in God's word with our minds and our hearts and our hands. Let's pray. Spirit of God, would you meet us? We're all wired different ways. And so how the recipe of how you mix together Uh, Our minds, our heart, and our hands varies, but we all need all three dynamics. And so we ask that by the power of your spirit, you would allow God's word to seep deeply into our hearts, to create an explosion there out of affections for Jesus that leads us into true obedience and gives us more light. Would you do that in us individually? Would you do that in our fellowship, we pray? It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.